This episode is brought to you by HP Instant Ink. No one is reading your mind, but HP Instant Ink knows when your printer is running low and sends new cartridges before you run out. So you never have to think about ink. For details, visit hp.com slash instant ink Spotify. Conditions apply. Today's guest on Pain in the Pod is Elisa Rosen, who has a great podcast called Reality of Reality that I thoroughly enjoy. Elisa is a veteran of TV, and she now runs a company where she develops scripted and unscripted content. Her podcast, Reality of Reality, is a staple for producers and fans of unscripted, that means reality, TV shows. You will love hearing her talk to reality stars, producers, and showrunners about their experiences. So, Elisa, thank you so much for joining me today. Hey, Mary. Happy to be here. Tell my listeners how you got the idea to do this podcast sort of uh, behind the scenes of shows and kind of lifting the veil. Sure. So it happened very serendipitously. I was not planning on it. It wasn't like an idea that I had for a long time. I, The story is not that glamorous, actually. I was meeting with a guy who started a very big podcast network, but it was just in its infancy. It hadn't launched yet. And we were collaborating on just some ideas for the network. And, you know, he basically just said about halfway through the conversation, you know, you have a good voice. You should consider doing a podcast. And I said, you know, it's funny you say that because I always thought it'd be really fun to talk to people in our industry just about sort of how they got where they are and something that could be good for, you know, young people coming up in the business to learn from. So he said, I love that idea. Go, go do a pilot. And so I roped in a friend of mine who's a, who runs a production company, a longtime producer in, the, in our industry. And she didn't know what it was was. And I really didn't know what it was. So we just did it. And and he listened to it. He said, this is great. You should do it. And so that's really just how it started. And how how long has it been now? It's been a year, been more than a year? No, it's been two and a half years. I started in April of 2016. Yeah. Wow. Now, do you have a studio? Because I know sometimes you go to people. So I had the studio where the audio network that I was talking about for most of the time I've been doing it. And then I guess about this past summer was whenever I interviewed Kyle Richards. That was my first time that I had gotten equipment, which I love because I was very intimidated. I'm not good with all the technology stuff. And I was a little scared, but it was very easy. And then once I got my own equipment, it made things so much easier because unlike you and most podcasters, I do face-to-face interviews. I don't do Skype. So I really want to be with the person, but organizing people's schedules, especially sort of heavy hitters that I talk to in this industry to be at one studio on one day of the week at, you know, one window is really, really hard. So now having my own equipment gives me so much more flexibility to go to people's houses and their offices. And, you know, even in New York, I can do podcasts now. So it's really, really fun. And I'm, I'm loving, you know, it really doesn't take a lot of effort and, and it's very easy to do. So I'm excited about that. Well, speaking of that, so you get a lot of uh, behind-the-scenes people on, and I will listen to them, and I will know every single show they're talking about. And have any of those people been reluctant to come on? Like They're like, "Eh, we don't want to tell our secrets, or have all of them been pretty willing to sit down with you and sort of say things on the record? That's a good question. Usually, people are not reluctant to come on, but if they come on, you know, sometimes there are certain things they'll say, you know, I don't really want to talk about. I have had instances, mostly with network executives, not as much with producers where, 
you know, we'll finish it and I'll have to send it to them to just make sure that they can get approval to say everything they've said. And I have had to take out sections of different podcasts on occasion because, you know, the head of a network has said, we can't talk about that or, you know, whatever the reason is, I can't really get into it. Uh, I'll have to remove it. But for the most part, people are pretty, for the most part, people are pretty contrite and comfortable talking and yeah, there's no sort of bombshell secrets that are exposed. It's just more sort of like the ins and outs of how things go. And and a lot of times you'll hear me joke, okay, you need to tell me that off mic. They'll allude to something. And then honestly, Mary, most of the time I forget about it by the time we're done. <laughs> and I'm like, damn, I forgot to ask them. <laughs> and then I feel like an idiot emailing them about it. So the moment has been lost. You know, you said that and it just reminded me of a podcast you did a while back with John Hill, who I love from Radio Andy. Yes, I was just thinking that. And he he told you all about some horrible show that he did that he was ne- he could never say. He said what it was. It was I think it was yeah. about gospel choirs or something, but he could never say what happened that made that show never go to air. And it's like, you know, Voldemort, they may never speak the name again. And I that is something right. like if I ever meet him. I'm going to be like, you have to tell me what happened because he teased it so well. And then was like, yeah, but I can't tell tell me he did. Yeah, that is. I did remember to ask him. He did tell me it was pretty dark. So it's not even like a juicy, fun thing. It was just pretty like more sad than anything else. Oh, okay. Well, then that makes me feel a little better that I didn't walk away. Yeah. Yeah. You're not not missing out. It's sort of like, uh, yeah. Now, let me ask you about this. I know that you were the co-creator and the producer on the case of the JonBenet Ramsey that we all saw. Mm-hmm. How long did that take to work on and to do? Because it what it was like a six, seven part series. It was so many hours. I mean, I watched every single minute. So how long were you working on mm-hmm. that before it came to air? That was the fastest thing I've ever worked on in my entire life in television because the 20th anniversary was that year. So we were originally, so we pitched the show in March and then we were in pre-production, you know, six or eight weeks later. But normally those things, you know, by the time you're in pre-production time, it airs. It was already a very short window. They had wanted it for November. The 20th anniversary was technically Christmas of 2016. So they wanted it for November because it was, it was CBS and it was to fill a slot right after Survivor ended. But what happened was, is that when everybody caught wind that we were doing what our show was and sort of the definitive investigators that had done the case, everybody wanted to beat us because we knew everybody would be doing their version of, of, of whatever the 20th anniversary show would be. So everybody started moving up their shows till October and then it was September. So all of a sudden we were told, okay, this used to air September and in TV time to do a, a real life investigation, which is what we were doing and cut the show. I mean, that's Herculean to do, uh, you know, and I can't take a lot of credit for it cause I was not in the edit bay doing the hard heavy lifting, but you know, I was certainly privy to everything that was, that was happening behind the scenes as part of the show. And it was unbelievable what they were able to do in such a short period of time. So really from selling it to air was six months, which is, for something like that, it's it's pretty unbelievable, and I'm super proud of the team. I don't, you know, I have to brag that we it did so well that we that we beat the Emmys that night in the demo, which was felt really good because, you know, obviously the goal was not to be the Emmys or to, you know, it was to get people to watch to see the conclusions that we came to, and to see that what we thought was what we still think is the truth. So it was very validating that people came to to, to watch as well. 
It was crazy. I can't believe you did that in such a short amount of time, just for the set building <laughs> alone, where they built those sets and did all that recreation and the messy countertops. It was unbelievable. That was crazy. That was like two weeks, Mary. I mean, that was, I, I still think those, they had elves, like magical little, <laughs> you know, elves working behind the scenes or clones or something, because from the day we got there and then, you know, coming back a week later and it was basically done. I, I was in shock. I, it was like building a house in a week. It was incredible. Yeah. Yeah. And then what I found the most interesting was that when they would be in that conference room with the whiteboard and they would be talking. And I thought it was so cool about the handwriting analysis, you know, about it being Patsy's handwriting. But she wasn't writing. She was writing it slowly, like not under duress. And I don't know. The whole thing was so fascinating. And we, you know, came obviously you know, that the brother did it. But I was wondering if you got a lot of like blowback from the Ramsey family from that or everybody was doing it. Well, so everybody. The blowback, yeah. I mean, the blowback is a $950 million lawsuit that's still going on right now, two years later. So yeah, there was a lot of blowback, I'll say. Oh my God. Well, I didn't realize that. Holy cow. Yeah. Oh, that's yeah, um, that's see. fun. Uh-huh. That's fun. That's a good time. Yeah, it's been good. Now, I know that you were working on one about Casey Anthony. Now, did that come out and I missed it? Because You did, and it did. It was on Oxygen, and it aired in May, but I'm pretty sure you can still get it on demand. So it was the same. It was Laura and Jim who were the main investigators, and then it was, you know, sort of every case has different investigators depending on the case. So it was more the people that have worked on the Casey Anthony case. So, yes, so that came out in May on Oxygen. Okay, well, I'm going to be... Because of the lawsuit, yeah, CBS was obviously a little skittish to do a second season, even though it did well for them. So Oxygen, after, you know, six months of legal legal vetting, uh, decided to do the second season. Okay, well, now I've written that down. I'll be looking for that on Oxygen. Now, would you say that your biggest get as a guest for as a, as a reality fan... Well, let me ask you. I won't uh-huh. say who I think. Who was your biggest get? As a, oh, no, as I want to know who you think. That's so much more fun. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I would think, well, it was, okay, now, when you interviewed Luann, was that pre or post rehab first time? It was post rehab first time, pre second time. Okay, so, all right, I'm going to go ahead and say your biggest get was Erica Jane. It's so funny because for me, you know, I guess, on the surface, the house, you know, Luann or Erica would definitely be a, be my biggest get. But I will tell you that the biggest get, you're going to laugh because you probably didn't even listen or know this one. But for me, the biggest get, the one that I was absolutely flipping out about was Yoon Linger from Shark Tank. She's one of the two main executive producers on Shark Tank. That yeah, show. I did listen to that. Okay. Because I, so I love Shark I love I love Shark Tank. Yeah, I love it. I love Shark Tank. Exactly. So you could tell my fangirling. And how mental I was because I just absolutely love that show. So from the beginning, from when I started the podcast, it was like a dream to have anybody. I mean, obviously the, the crown jewel would have been like Mark Cuban, but just knowing, you know, Yoon was on it from the beginning, from the pilot. So that was so crazy exciting. So the Housewives, Lou, Erica Jane was actually, I'm assuming you you listened to Erica. Yes. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so yes. Erica, yeah, yeah. So it's okay if you did. So Erica, Erica was actually really sweet. And I was scared. I mean, I'm not going to lie. I thought she was going to be a major bitch. She was not that nice to the bitch sesh girls. And I, you know, she was just kind of chilly with them. And she was just so gracious when she walked in. And I felt like we connected. And Alex 
Baskin from Evolution who connected us listened, and he's like, wow, she really liked you because you could tell she was, you know, kind of not as bristly as she can be. So yeah. that was a, that was a, you know, compliment to me. I felt really good that I made her comfortable enough, but I really actually enjoyed talking to Erica, but Luann was hands down the best, my most favorite. I've known Lou, if you listen to the pod, you, you heard that I've known her for six or seven years. And so while she wasn't a big get in terms of like, I knew I could get her because I knew her, she was in terms of what she delivered and doing the whole interview on her hotel bed, laying down <laughs> was just, there was nothing like it. It was the best. I just love her. She's and hilarious. what about Shannon Medor? She's one of my personal faves. Yeah, Shannon was great. She was really cool. I went to her house. I had a meeting down in Newport Beach, so it worked out perfectly. I swung around and interviewed her like an hour before. And she was very low key. You can tell she's a little shy. You know, she, I, I didn't feel, I felt like she wanted me to be there. I, I, you know, she was very sweet. And, and actually she had to run to a, an appointment. So she let me stay behind and pee in her house. <laughs> which I thought was very sweet. <laughs> and you got to and you got and I to took a hang picture out. of Archie. Yeah, but I say you got to hang out with Archie. Now, as yes. a as, as someone who has done reality TV yourself and you've been, you know, behind the scenes, what do you think about Unreal, the show Unreal? What do you do you think that's pretty accurate? Well, I never worked on a show like that. I have I did an interview with Jason Carbone, who was one of the producers on from the beginning on The Bachelor, and he of course said it's all bullshit. However, I have talked to other people off mic who have worked on it or been a part of it who say it's, you know, obviously the drama is is super magnified, but there's many, many things about it that are super accurate. So as pure entertainment, as a fan of the show, I love it. I think it's really well done and really interesting sort of the themes that it touches on. But I can't say, you know, I've never been on that type of set or that type of show. So I, I can't speak to the accuracy. Yeah, I love when they show the producers sort of whispering in the girls' ears and, you know, manufacturing what's going to come next, or they were really saying this about you or that by, I, I mean, I have to imagine that. That all happens. Yeah. yeah. That all apparently happens. Uh, yeah, I can imagine because I just, I think about these girls or guys, depending on which way it's going, all stuck in that house with no phone, no books. No, all they can do all day is, you know, work out and sit by the pool and talk to each other. So, of course, they're going to be, first of all, desperate to talk to other people and get their ego stroked and think like, of course, this person likes me and not her. And I th yeah, I think for sure all that does happen. Now, you know, providing everybody with like, you know, cocaine and all that stuff, I would hope is not true. But hey, you know. I mean, I, I don't know. <laughs> I would think it was. That's true. But, you know, I guess anything's fine. Definitely a lot of drinking. That I know the alcohol is provided for sure. Yeah, it seems like they start drinking midday and it's like three in the morning when they film these ceremonies and stuff. So everybody's right. it's it's a miracle that they can they stand on. They can stand on their heels at that point. I know. Now, here's a question for you as somebody who's been watching reality TV for a long time, like I have, you know, going back, you know, throwing it back to real world season one to, to now we get all the way to the Kardashians and I, you know, I know the Kardashians is super popular and all that. I've never really been into it too much, but I kind of call it the Kardashian effect. Like some of these reality shows seem so contrived and scripted, like we're going to talk about this and it seems so fake. And I think the Kardashians falls into that. And then versus you have like the genius of 90 Day Fiance or Real Housewives of New York. So do you think the, I mean, what I call the Kardashian effect, do you think that has really like seeped its way into a lot of reality shows where it's so much so many things are more planned. Well it's interesting because I think that there's a major backlash in our industry and at networks 
against that so that that did happen for sure. And now, you know, even from the networks that you wouldn't expect to hear from saying we really want it to be real drama. We don't want manufactured drama. It has to come from a real place. The relationships have to be real. So I think that viewers are savvy and they can see when things are set up and they can see when stuff is fake and starting to turn them off. So I think that in a good way, that tide has turned back. I think so, too. It was interesting. I was listening to Spencer Pratt. I believe he was on Annabelle DeSisto's podcast, Adderall and Compliments. And he said, regarding the upcoming season of The Hills, he said, you know, knowing his past with it and you know, being the super villain and all that, he said, you know, I, I have told them I'm not doing one fake thing. I'm not doing one fake thing. You know, my life is crazy enough where I don't have to do anything fake. And if you try to tell me to walk this again or, you know, make the baby cry because it's more dramatic, he said, I'm just not going to do it, you know. And I thought that is a definite. That's like you're saying it's a total turn in the opposite direction because that that show they later said was totally fake. Yeah. No, I, I get it. That makes sense. That's interesting, actually. Now, you know, we'll see if that actually happens. But when he was on that podcast, when, when he was on that podcast, he kept teasing like, oh, we've got this huge person. It's a ringer. It's this person. You're not going to believe who it is. And she couldn't guess. And now it's come out that it's Misha Barton. And I'm thinking, oh, OK, is Misha Barton like a, a person that we want to see doing a reality show? Or do we want to remember her <laughs> being an actress? <laughs> I guess we'll see. Yeah, yeah we'll see. Womp womp. <laughs> yeah, it, it, he made it sound like it was going to be like Julia Roberts. Like he made it like you're never going to believe it. <laughs> and I thought, Misha Barton, all right. Well, I was like, I know she's British, so maybe the accent will be, you know. No, she's not British. <laughs> she's not British? I thought, no. I thought she was British and all the time pretending to be American. No, I don't think so. Oh, my God. Wait, are you right? Am I? Are you blowing my mind right now? I don't know if I'm Born wrong. Born in London, raised in New York. Well, she's raised in New York, but I don't think she has an English accent, does she? Well, I think maybe she put yeah, it I think on. She was for just it. born in London. Maybe she put it on for interviews and stuff. But I always thought, like, wow, what a great actress she is. She's acting like a Californian. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. I feel better that I was oh I was at least partially right. Yeah, yeah. But on that same vein, um, how do you feel personally? So, how reality TV has changed from when you first started producing it, kind of in its infancy, to to what it is now, where I think it takes up probably eighty percent of our TV watching. Yeah. Well, for me, you know, I, I realized that I pigeonholed myself into a corner with reality reality because actually I don't like even calling it reality TV. I love calling it unscripted because the truth is, is that it's morphed so much, especially in the last, you know, four to five years in terms of the stuff that really gets me excited is the documentary programming, which is technically reality, right? It's not scripted, so it's reality. So I feel like reality TV in general gets a bad name and there's so many different you know, there's game shows and there's docu-series and there's, you know, talk shows and then there's more straight up documentaries. So there's so many different kinds of quote unquote reality TV, but it's a good time, I think, to be doing what we do because, you know, if you, I don't know if you're familiar with a show on the, on Showtime called The Circus. That's just one example to me that, you know, is, 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 is a reality show technically, right? But it's so well done and it's basically following the action of three or four journalists over the course of a week covering Trump and politics, which sounds like it should be a news show. But the way that they do it is done in this super compelling doc style format that is 
really, it's almost done live to t- I mean, it basically they have to edit the thing on Saturday and it, and, and it airs on Sunday. So that's the kind of show that never would have been done or picked up by a premium network or any network, frankly, probably five years ago. So I don't know if that speaks to where we are politically with these times, or that's just kind of where we are as an industry, but it, it's encouraging to people like me who really lean into that kind of programming and away from sort of the Kardashians of it all. Not to say I don't love those kind of shows and like watching them and they're well done. But for me personally, at this point in my career, that's not the kind of programming that I want to be doing. It's called The Circus. Yeah. Oh, you got to check it out, Mary. It's so well done. Uh, Okay. I'm, I'm writing that down because it's funny. Maybe people that generally will like a reality show also like documentaries. I love documentaries too. So that sounds like right up my alley. It sounds like, it sounds like both things. Yep. Okay. So speaking of that, if you could only watch three reality slash unscripted shows, what would they be? I can't say one. Shark Tank, Shark Shark Tank, Shark Tank, Shark Tank. No, Shark Tank, Real Hustles of New York, and probably Million Dollar Listing LA. Oh, really? Yeah. I love that show so much. I can't help it. I love it. love it. I love the the porn, the real estate porn. I, I look forward to it. I love the New York one too, especially, you know, I, I go to New York more often than I used to. And so now at least I feel yeah. like when I'm seeing it, at least I know kind of more what they're talking about than I used to. Yeah. I would I would put 90 Day Fiance and Vanderpump Rules oh my God. Up, up in there with mine. Oh, God, I forgot about 90 Day. That's a tough <laughs> one, Mary. That might be that might be three. Damn. Did you watch the tell all last night? Of course I did. I love it. Thank God. I love it so much. It's amazing. It's amazing. Now, what would you say would be your top three scripted shows? Ooh, great question. Of all time or the ones I'm watching right now? I would say if you could only, if you're on a desert island with the TV and you could only watch three. Okay, so it has to be ones that are currently in production, not ones that have already, like Breaking Bad is probably my favorite show yeah. of all time scripted, not on the air anymore. Um, well, maybe, I maybe, mean, maybe, I, I don't know maybe could, you have Netflix or Hulu, so you can, um, you could throw it back to like Sopranos <laughs> if you want. I, I was going to say, so it's Breaking Bad, Sopranos, and probably Mad Men are my top three. Um, but I, a lot of scripted stuff. So that would be a long list. It'd be very hard to, to narrow it down to just three. I really, I probably on balance end up watching more quote unquote reality stuff during the week between sort of like Trevor Noah, John Oliver, and, you know, Andy Cohen talk shows real time. And then my housewives and Shaw's and all that. But the stuff that I really like, I always say when I retire, I'm just going to watch Netflix because I just need to like, you know, you can watch all those things and also be on your phone or whatever and still get the gist of it. But with my scripted shows, I need to be full attention and between, you know, work and all the stuff I have going on and my daughter and everything, it's rare that I get to like really settle in with a scripted show and just binge it. But, you know, like I love Jane the Virgin. I love Atypical on Netflix's fabulous new show. American Vandal is fantastic. I love a show called, forgetting the name of it. It's like a British crime series on Netflix. There's just so much good, good stuff. It's overwhelming. Did you watch um, Succession on HBO? I did. I thought that was excellent. It grew on me. I didn't love it at first. But I thought yeah. the more I got into it, I really was like, this show is really good. And I don't know why I like it so much. I really loved it. I, you because I was it. writing. Yeah, the I loved finale it. was amazing. I was writing down my scripted shows and, and my list is similar. It's like Sopranos, Breaking Bad, Mad Men. But of course, I have to include things that are funny, like Veep or The Office. Oh, my God. 100%. Veep and The Office are probably two of my favorite comedies. 
Veep is, is absolutely brilliant. And The Office holds up. I'm watching it with my daughter now. We're like, we're into like season five. It's freaking hilarious. It's amazing. Isn't that funny? I have a 15-year-old daughter who sort of does the same thing. She'll say, I'm going to binge something, and she'll binge, you know, The Blacklist, or, you know, yeah. she she really dug in there and did Grey's Anatomy, which I think has now been on for 32 years, and she watched, all, <laughs> she, she watched all of that, and I told her, I was like, you need to get into Six Feet Under, you know? Yeah, yeah. Or, or the other show that I love, Big Love on HBO. That was so good. I can't believe I've never seen Big Love. I know I would love it. It's just that's another one of retirement. That's on my retirement list. Oh, my gosh. That was really good. And then another one that not not a lot of people watched that I loved was The Path on Hulu with Aaron Paul. I thought I would love that because I love Jason Caddams, who did Parenthood and Friday Night Lights, two of the most amazing shows ever. And I could not get into The Path. I could not get into it. I wanted to, but I couldn't. I just recently was doing a thing where I had to be on the treadmill every day for an hour. And um, accountability nice. by Teddy. And No, anyway, did you really do it? I really did it. Yeah. Was she your coach or you got one of the other coaches? No, I had another coach, but um, it worked. I lost 18 pounds in six weeks. Oh my God. That's amazing. And yeah, then wait, what was... happens now? Like, do you, like check in with them or like, are you keeping it off? Well, I could, if I wanted to keep going, but I'm going to, I'm going to take a break and see if I can do it myself. And then, you know, maybe I'll have to come crawling back, but so far so good. I'm doing okay. <laughs> I'm doing okay on my own. Oh my God. It feels like you, would, every time I hear about it, I feel like I would be starving. You are. Yeah, you are. <laughs> okay. Yeah, yeah, you are. I mean, that's true. I mean, I can't even say. I mean, I was starving, but you know, I, but but it's the it's the accountability part. It's the money part, and the yeah, person right, checking in right. with you all day that really does make you do it. You're like, oh God, they're going to check in with me, and if I weigh and I've gained four ounces, they'll know. Wow, I like it. But 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 because I was on the treadmill so much, I got back into the path. But let me okay, so. Nice. So you're like me, like during the week, you kind of watch a lot of reality and then you dig into these long-term things. Like I've been watching, I've been catching up also on Better Call Saul. Yeah. But do you ever, not do you ever, but what podcast do you listen to when you're, you're like me, you're trying to like juggle all this time, but if you're in LA, you're in yeah. the car no, a lot, so. Well, exactly. Podcast is the one thing I do have time for because I have, I have something on all the time. It's like drives my husband mental. You know, I'm making breakfast or making lunch for my daughter or I'm cooking dinner. I'm doing laundry or like I'm in the bathroom. Like literally I have something going. I'm, you know, a content freak. So I am a huge podcast person. I was like an early adapter before people have been, you know, I was listening to like WTF, like, you know, 12 years ago, whenever it came out, but I knew you're going to ask this. So I have my I have my pods up on my phone. So Bitch Sesh, obviously, we love, right? Of course. I was a huge Dirty John fan and now Dr. Death. Uh, I was actually consulting producer on the Oxygen version that's coming out of Dirty John, <gasps> in, um, I think, in early January. Yeah, that's an amazing story. And I'm trying to get Deborah oh my on my gosh. podcast. Oh, my gosh. Yeah, because uh, I know her quite well now. And I love her. So I love Fresh Air with Terry Gross. Been listening to her forever. There's a great podcast on NPR called How I Built This with Guy Raz. Do you know about that one? Yes, I've heard about this, but tell me because I'm not totally familiar to speak on it. He interviews entrepreneurs. So Rent the Runway, Power Rangers, Bobby Brown, WeWork, TRX. I'm just reading the list here. Like he, it's just like how it's it's my podcast, but entrepreneurs. Oh. And it's so amazing. Like I love like, again, I'm a huge Shark Tank fan. I love entrepreneur stuff. So to me, it's fascinating. And I'm so inspired by the stories. I listen to Keep It. Do you know Keep It? Yes, I do. That one's on my list too. The guy's name is Ira, right? 
Yeah, I'm trying to get him on the pod. Ira Madison, love. That's just a pop culture podcast every week. It's very, you know, sort of woke and cool. And they're always like on the cutting edge of everything that's going on. I I listen to political stuff, love it or leave it, and Pod Save America. I'm a liberal and that stuff keeps me sane. Pink Shade with Eric Marin Martin, our friend. Yes. Uh, Real Crime Real crime Profile. Those are my profilers from my crime shows. They're really good. They dive into sort of like the crimey shows that are about the big cases. So that's a good one. Kate Casey, of course. Yeah, oh, I love yeah. this list. I love this list. Slow Burn. Are you a Slow Burn? No. Person? Tell me about Slow Burn. I don't know about this one. So Slow Burn is a great podcast from Slate. First season was about Watergate. The second season was about the Lewinsky Clinton scandal. The guy's really good and he gets some really good interviews but it's you know it's like storytelling it's not straight up interviews i would love that yeah it's really really well done the moment with brian koppelman he has some really good interviews he's the show oh another show i love billions he's he's the creator of billions and executive producer do you watch that one no, I've heard that that's one I should put on my... Oh, uh, yeah. You know, if, you, if, if you like Secession, you'll love Billions. Okay, putting that on so my good. list, too. I get to get back on my treadmill. Yeah, another one from, from Slate, The Waves. It's like a feminist podcast where they tackle sort of the issues of the week, but from, from a feminist perspective, that one's really good. Oh, Younger, that's another... Do you watch Younger? No, but you know my friend Taylor Strucker. She does the Younger After Show, yes, and she does the and exactly. she does the Younger and she does the Younger podcast, right? Hello. So I listen to it. Tell Taylor I love her podcast, and I'm a total of obsessed with the show as much as she is. It's such a great show. It's a great podcast. So good for Taylor. And then last but not least, I mean I have other ones from skipping over, but as I said, WTF with Mark Maron because I love comedy and comedians. So that's sort of a sampling. Well, that is really cool, and. Oh, do, oh, you know what? You said the one, The Waves, which was about, you said, it, yeah. tell me about The Waves again. It was it was a liberal slant. It was two women. Yeah, it's 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 basically like a feminist perspective on the issue. So if it's like the Kavanaugh stuff is the, you know, story of the week, they'll look at it through the perspective of like how Dr. Ford was treated and sort of like what, you know, sort of how he he's treated, like what does it say about masculinity in our culture? And, you know, it's sort of like a heady way, but they're very relatable. But anyway. Well, let me tell you another one you should listen to. Is in that when you said that it just like jogged my memory, and that's why I was looking over at my paper. Dame it all to hell mm-hmm. is a good one you should try, and it's a it's a What's it called? like a dame it all to hell. <laughs> yeah, but dame and dame it all to hell. Oh, yeah, and it's two women, and one is more left leaning, and one's more right leaning, and they drink a bottle of wine and talk about the issues of the day, not necessarily always political, but it's you know women's issues, and it's really good too. That's here in D.C. Okay, put that on your list. It's on the list. All right. So tell everybody where they can find you and your podcast and how we can get more Elisa Rosen in our lives. (laughs) I only have so much to go around. (laughs) Um, So my podcast, as Mary said, is Reality of Reality. You can get it on iTunes or anywhere else that podcasts are available. I'm not the best on social media, but if you can follow me on Twitter at Reality of Real, that's great. I usually post the pod there, but I also post a lot of angry political stuff. So if that's not your thing, and you probably don't want to follow me. And I'm on Facebook as me, and I'm on Instagram as Leezy, L-E-E-Z-I-E 108. Thank you so much. And I look forward to your next episode of Reality of Reality. And I appreciate you taking your time to talk to me today. Thanks, Mary. This was fun. Thank you. All right. Bye-bye. Bye. Bye.